I'm David Poyser, a journalist, and welcome to the 10th episode of PESPOD, the insider's guide to the PES network made for European PES. PES can save lives. It's amazing, isn't it? Yes, I'm going to say it again. PES can save lives. This is a surprise episode after the Swedish PES recently won an award. I'm with Ursa Frostfeldt from the Arbeits for Medlingen, the Swedish PES, whose pioneering work led to the Swedish PES making their own podcast about how the PES found cases of domestic violence. The podcast is in English and their details are on the show notes. As a result of the changes Ursa inspired, Ursa and the team inspired, the Swedish PES front desk staff now do a simple 60-minute training online so they can find invisible signs of domestic abuse with the people who come to them. And they've gone on to detect a huge change in the amount of abuse, which are then handed over, obviously, to other agencies to solve these problems. They've done this despite 20% cuts in their staff numbers in 2019. So thanks for talking to PESPOD today, Ursa. Thank you, Davy. Thanks for having me on the PED show. So, look, first of all, do you have a sort of typical example of the sort of way the uh, PES staff have found a case of abuse? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, at Arbetsförmedling, of course, our main purpose is to find a job for someone. So when we map uh, job seekers' conditions for getting a job, we need to find out are there any obstacles to for this person to move forward to either studies or a job? And we know that having experiences of partner violence or unrelated violence can affect your health both in short and long term, which, of course, can be a hidden cause of unemployment and can affect a person's ability to get and keep a job. An example of situations we've seen so far is, um, for example, female job seekers who wants to become financially independent uh, from their husbands and they start working instead being a housewife. And in that situations, um, the partner has felt that he is losing control and um, we've seen that he can get violent, even more controlling. Um, And... um, so what happened is that our co-workers have started talking to um, to the female job seekers and ask what's going on, why, why, um, for example, we had situations where a, a woman was doing an internship and and she was offered a permanent job and she turned it down, and it was because of her husband didn't want her to be um, financially independent and um, and work outside the home. And uh, other situations that we encountered is, for example, if you have a, we we have a lot of people in Sweden who um, they are living like what we would say hidden lives where you have to secure your personal data because we live in a fairly open society where you can just go online and search for people and you get the address. Um, But uh, to protect those people, they have hidden personal data. Uh, so um, then if someone is looking for you, maybe you shouldn't have like a public job. For example, if you look for a job in a hotel, maybe you should not be working at the front desk in the reception, but maybe you can work back office, for example, taking care of the bookings or replying to review some trip advisor and so on. So those are the adjustments that we've seen that we had to make uh, for this uh, target group in, of job seekers. 
Now, Sweden's a famously open society. So, um, mm-hmm. what are the sort of signs? I mean, there's presumably there's you know there's financial abuse where a woman is taking on her husband's loan or digital mm-hmm. abuse where women not having access to computers. Uh, what are the sort of signs you see? Yeah. No, when we first started talking about this, I think what most people think about is like physical violence um, that actually leaves signs. But there is so much more into this that we have to talk about to understand the problem. For example, psychological violence and sexual violence is causing a lot of trauma that can affect your ability to to get a job and, and keep a job. But one thing that we also talked a lot about is digital and financial abuse. Um, for example, what we've seen is that um, some women who come to us and um, uh, when they should sign up to, to get unemployment benefits and, and start looking for a job um, is that they don't have, some of them don't have an, their own email address. They use their husband's email address. Uh, they um, have given out their e-identification code to the husband so he can access everything that is uh, written electronically about you online. And uh, so he can, can, can control your uh, your social medias, your email, your uh, your banks. So, for example, uh, what we've seen is this could be a, tra- um, a huge problem because uh, if you're unemployed and you want to live a, an, an abusive relationship, uh, you need uh, maybe to get a new housing. And to go to the bank and if you don't have a permanent job to buy a new house or to go to a landlord to get a a new contract, it could be quite problematic if you don't have a permanent job. And um, and also another thing that we're seeing is also that uh, many men have taken loans since they have access. They can take loans in the name of the woman or their uh, partner. So they also, in many of them are in huge debt. So that also is... And sorry, these loans, do the women have any control over the loans? Are these the men taking loans without telling their wives or how, how does that work? Yeah, and it's really hard to, in some cases, they've been forced. They are aware of that they've been taking the loans, but sometimes they've been forced to take them. They didn't have a choice. And uh, once you get too, ma- too many <laughs> loans, you can't s- paying them off. And, 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 and then you get in really trouble, you know, when you're trying to get out of the relationship. So, uh, And it's also difficult to prove because you, you used their own... Uh, um, electronic identification and uh, to identify yourself. So you can't really, it's really hard to prove that you didn't do it on purpose on yourself. It's hard to prove that someone else did it. So can you talk to the clients, the unemployed about the importance of being digitally independent? Yeah, we, we, um, we do that a lot. And, um, and also we can also see with, um, People coming from countries who is not as digitalized as Sweden has been um, uh, really empowering for, for them to learn how computers are working, you know, and also they say like it's really empowering to just come home and, you know, f- sit down at the computer and actually <laughs> type something, write an mm. email. It's really empowering to do that in front of your children. Uh, and um, also can, then you can also help them with the homework. You can actually access uh, the information the school is sending out and so so forth. So it's really about empowering. So um, And also 
in Sweden and as in many other countries in the European Union, many countries are really getting more and more digitalized. And it's a real problem with the people who don't have those skills. So uh, it's one part that we have to work with, of course, when we are getting them prepared for the labor market in Sweden. And um, just in terms of stereotypes, I mean, could this happen at any age? I mean, uh, you know, generally we think of the victims as being mostly women. Is that is that the case in Sweden? Yeah, that's um, mainly uh, the big group, of course. Uh, but we can see that partner violence affects everyone, regardless of whether you are a man or woman, young or, or old, poor or rich, or and in all different uh, kinds of relationships. And uh, the only thing that is in common is that we see that the victim and the perpetrator are experts in hiding the situation. And we must therefore understand the importance of screening for partner violence and reaching out for a helping hand. It's not only, as I said earlier, that the violence is leaving visible signs if you're um, uh, if you're exposed to physical violence. There is so much more to this, as I was talking about earlier. Mm. But why it's mm. just amazing that it's just the 60-minute training. It's relatively short, isn't it? Um, when did the Arbets for Meddling and when did the Swedish Pest start working with this? Well, it started in, um, it was actually in 2016 and 17. Uh, the National Board of Health and Welfare, Socialstudelsen, uh, they did something that we call death in- inquests. And it's basically investigations where a person is uh, murdered by the partner. And we, um, what they do is that they do, um, uh, they analyze what, what happened. And, mm. and the victim of violence, uh, what contacts did they have 12 months before they died? And, wh- and what we can see is that many of them were unemployed, both the perpetrators and the victims. Uh, so that's why in 2018, we first uh, got this assignment together with other authorities that was, that was also mentioned in the investigations uh, to um, uh, start working on uh, developing routines and do gender awareness training. Because what was so obvious was that we had not talked about the violence, we had not seen the violence, so therefore we could not prevent it. And um, so that's what we've been doing now for the last four years. We've been working on this, changing our routines and uh, doing a lot of gender awareness training for all the staff that are actually meeting unemployed uh, people. Yeah. Is there a high rate of uh, partner violence in Sweden, do you think? Or do you think Sweden's very good at finding it? Um, I think, um, well, we have about 50,000 women and about 12,000 yeah. men reported to the police in 2020. So that's interesting. We just said that again. So that's 12,000 men and 50,000 women. Yeah. So that's yeah. an interesting gender breakdown, isn't it? Sorry, you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's like, but what we see is that the violence that are targeted or aimed towards women is more serious in the way that it affects your ability to to work. I mean, it's yeah. more affected that you get more trauma, for example, 
and um, for example, sexual violence and so forth. And uh, but we can also see that this serious violence is leading more women to need hospital care, that they need uh, domestic violence emergency shelter, and also, as I talked to uh, said earlier about the the need for the long term protection of your personal data, so it's not so easy. Um, because it's like to find them it's because you you're constantly on the run. Uh, there are, we have about four thousand people who live with um, protected data who are registered with us and um, who have um, a protected uh, data that we need, who are unemployed. Because it's quite obvious if you if you're trying to break up from an abusive relationship and move to a different city, you also need a new job. So um, that group, the majorities also. And, and then, you, you know, you used the example of the hotel earlier. I mean, the new job is something that actually pairs can do that other agencies can't do. You can find jobs. And I assume mm. that pairs, but what we're talking about is pairs are normally, in this case, detecting the problem and other mm. agencies are solving it. But I mean, yeah. when you're looking for the new job, say someone is suffering from, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder or was it PTSD, mm. Um, mm. can pairs help find a sort of job that would help someone suffering from PTSD? Absolutely. Uh, for example, we can, uh, uh, we have certain uh, benefits where we can actually pay for someone to to stop working at place so we can financially support the employer for maybe for the first year so they can try out is this position working for this uh, person because things that we, we've seen is that you can have cognitive impairments such as learning problems memory disorders concentration pro problems and this can of course create problems when you are trying out for a new job or doing an internship uh, but if we know what for example that a person is traumatized and ex experiences problems as uh, PTSD for example we can make adjustments so that's why it's so important that they actually uh, tell us about their situation. And um, so what, once we have detected uh, the abuse or violence or, or trauma, we, we now have routines for how we can refer them to social services or healthcare uh, or the police to get the support and protection they might need. For example, trauma treatment is extremely effective for this group. And uh, we've seen people who have wrong diagnosis even and uh, once they get the trauma treatment they can get off the medication and they have the right diagnosis and they they can move on in the progress to find a job yeah you said the there's routines so the PES staff with this course they have to learn the routines and mm. this is often the case um in the head office, you have these wonderful ideas of things that PES staff can do. And then mm. PES staff, look, they've got to find jobs. As we just said, you've had huge, huge cuts in your in your service. Don't mm. the staff just say to head office, look, very, very bad. No one wants domestic abuse. But really, what's in it for me? Why do I have mm. to do this as well as my other job? Yeah. Well, the short answer to that is that we all want to be successful in our, our jobs, right? Yeah. And yeah, so we want as many we want to as many who sign up for to to uh, to get a part of our services who are unemployed. We want to help as many of them to leave our <laughs> agency as soon as quick as possible, basically, right? Because we want yeah. them to move on to get a job. 
And uh, so this is part of our quality development because we're constantly looking at and reviewing how we can improve our processes to be more successful in getting more people to work. So it's really about quality development and detecting partner violence has proven to be an important piece of information for us that is useful to be successful in our work. And um, many PES officers now say that they gain better understanding of why some unemployed have not come closer to the labor market despite our previous various efforts. And um, and also one thing also to remember that that was also quite obvious now during the pandemic with the COVID-19 that um, because we've seen all over Europe and also in Sweden that the um, uh, numbers of reported domestic violence has gone up and uh, and they, there has also been a debate about that in Sweden, that uh, women who live in a violent relationship, a workplace can be the only place where she feels safe and secure. It's also probably one of the only few places that her social interactions are normal, since a part of uh, being abusive relationship is also that uh, usually that the man is trying to isolate the woman from her family and friends. So that, therefore, it's extra important to have a job to go to. So it's not, uh, and also one thing that we talked about is that it's not only that we help people to get jobs, it's also that we actually represent tax-funded uh, um, services, and we all help have to help out. And, and as we said previously, that um, we, we, we can't solve the situation alone, but our main purpose is to detect the violence and refer to other agencies. And before we were nervous about talking about it because we didn't know what to do with the answers. Uh, but now when we have routines, we know where to refer the women or men. But so far, we only detected women, but I'm sure there are men out there as well who need this help and support. So um, it's really about uh, that the society stands up and says, you can talk to us, there is help to get out there, and we can help you. But we all have to do this together, because uh, we, we, we need to all, everyone has to do what they can to help out to, to stop this. It must be quite dramatic for the PES staff to mm. learn about this and talk about this. I mean, have the PES staff ever thought, oh my God, I'm in a coercive relationship myself? Yeah, we were actually quite surprised about that. Um, that because we were we are so focused on training the staff in gender awareness training, and one of the effects that we noticed was that, uh, for example, we had one unit, uh, and they were only twenty people working at this unit. Four women went to the boss and said, "I have this experience, or I'm I'm in an abusive abusive relationship now." But I didn't know that this was something I could talk to to you about. So that has also meant that we have had to train um, the and also have yeah. the managers, but also have mm. special uh, routines for this, uh, how we should deal with it. And um, yeah, so for example, if so, if if so, it's so common, so you can mm. really. Um, um, you can almost take, for, I mean, you can assume that you have colleagues who is exposed to this because it's so common. So I think it's all about taking uh, away like the, um, 
it has been taboo to talk about uh, violence and and thought it's it's very private. It's nothing that we should talk about. You know, it's they, that's something that happens in the home. We shouldn't really talk about it. And but what happened in the, in, um, in the past years is, for example, um, a few years ago, it, it seems to be too private to talk to someone who had lung cancer uh, if they were smoking. Uh, or if you had like a talk about your health uh, with your doctor, um, nowadays you, you don't re- react if yes. they ask, like, some, how much beer do you drink or how many glasses of wine do you drink every week? It's quite normal. Uh, but I, I mean, 20 years ago, that was not normal. And now I think we're moving forward to taking away the uh, taboo around domestic violence because this also affects your ability to work. It affects your brain. Oh, just definitely. Like, yeah. Just like drugs are doing. I mean, it affects mm. your ability to work. So I think um, this is also one huge benefit that we have started to talk about it. And it's... Um, in this, this is the only way we can understand it and um, open up for further discussions. So I'm yeah. sure other Pezes must have noticed, other Pez across Europe must have noticed cases of domestic violence. They must have reported it. Do you know of any other, I mean, but you've been systematic and you've done training for staff. Do you know of any other Pez anywhere in the EU uh, or anywhere in the Pez network who's done similar work? No, we, we haven't yet, at least, <laughs> heard of any mm. PES that mm. have worked as systematically with a link between unemployment and partner violence. Uh, but I'm sure there are certainly several PES officers that also come in contact with these challenging issues because it's so common. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, but of course, we are very happy to share our experiences. So... Everyone is uh, welcome to contact us if they have any further questions on how they can start their development work in this area. Because um, the most important is that we dare to see the problem and act because together we can not only help those people to employment, but we can actually also save lives. And we've seen that we already saved several women out of really extremely dangerous situations. So we know that this work has effect. Oh, my God, Ursa, um, this is the most moving episode of this podcast uh, by a long way. And I'm sure other places will be interested in your work. So thanks so much for talking to us. Well, thank you so much for having us. And well done on winning the award. Yay. <laughs> thank <laughs> Yay. you. Yay, well done. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as I said at the beginning, the uh, award-winning podcast is available on the programme notes. So our next episode will be with the French Pez, which is what I announced at the end of the previous episode, but it really will be this time. The French Pez are really grateful for the experience of the Pez Network Bench Learning Scheme. They've just completed it. You already heard in episode four, the experience of bench learning from the other side, from the two assessors, and you may want to listen to that again as well. If you go to Pez Network slash podcast, you can find a library of other really interesting podcasts that have been recorded for the Pez Network. We're hoping this podcast will help build a sense of community in Pez Networks across Europe. So if you have any comments on PezPod, there's an email which I will spell for you. empl-pes-secretariat-s-e-c-r-e-t-a-r-i-a-t at ec.europa which is E-U-R-O-P-A dot, dot E-U. So that's E-M-P-L dash 
secretariat at ec.europa.eu. And you can leave comments there, and the email's also on the PESPOD show notes. So who would you like us to interview? Just email us and tell us. And what would you like us to interview them about? Just email us and say. PESPOD is produced by the PES Network for the European Commission with technical support from Econ Institute. The technical producer is Mark Berta. Look forward to next time.